Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Emily Woodbury. Vanika Spencer and Supna Bhakta are St. Louis transplants, but they've made the city their home and are doing their part to shine a light on everything it has to offer. They're the duo behind the Coco and Cumin concert series. Producer Laura Hamden talked with them earlier this week. For the past couple of years, Spencer and Bhakta have hosted concerts right from their South St. Louis apartments. The smaller space offers the opportunity for people to connect with the artists in an intimate way, and vice versa. Their goal is to showcase local musicians of color. And because of that, Coco and Cumin were finalists in this year's Launch Code Moonshot Award for Inclusion. Their latest concert featured gospel and R&B singer Alexis Coleman in March. After a brief hiatus due to the coronavirus pandemic, the series is returning later this month. Their concerts will look a little different for now to accommodate social distancing guidelines. But we started our conversation by talking about why they moved to St. Louis. Spencer said she moved here in 2008 from Dallas, Texas after graduating high school. My brother was living in St. Louis at the time and working here, and he asked me, if I wanted to come and live with him for a year and figure out what I wanted to do. And so I took him up on that opportunity, showed up to St. Louis with a a suitcase and a dream and have been here ever since. So I actually graduated from UMSL and then left and did Peace Corps for two years in Indonesia. And then just knew that I wasn't done with the city yet. The city was still calling me back. And so after I finished my service, I decided I was going to come back to St. Louis. And what did you think about St. Louis? I mean, it really seems like it made an impression on you. What about it was so special? So I always say St. Louis grew me up. There were so many things that I was exposed to that I had never seen in my small town on the outskirts of Dallas. And so just being exposed to people who looked like me in so many different levels of leadership and the art scene that just truly embraced me as an actress and as a dancer and took me in and held me really close. For example, when I first moved here, I had the opportunity to do a play with the Black Repertory Theater and had such an amazing experience there. And that's where I found my mentor that's still my mentor today, Catherine Bentley, who is basically like my St. Louis mom, has helped me through and through and has just really given me the encouragement to do projects like Coco and Cumin. Mm-hmm. And Sapna, what about you? So I moved to St. Louis about seven years ago. I came here for my cousin's birthday, which was only supposed to like last the whole weekend. But I ended up staying for up until now. So what the city has brought me is the fact that I, I knew that I wanted to just be here because my family was so close. Signed it up, just getting an apartment, adopting a little kitty, my baby Bindi, and just finding a job in less than a week. And I was working at a publishing company doing marketing. Ended up thinking that I was only going to stay here for a couple years and move on, but I've been here since. And this is something that, like, you guys think you can see yourself staying here for the long run? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're actually looking into um, buying a home here and staying 
forever. As, as long as we can. <laughs> That's awesome. So when it comes to this Coco and Cumin concert series, I understand that the idea for this started around tw- in 2017. Vanika, what kind of conversation led to starting it? So Safna and I were on a trip um, that we had just taken back from Kansas City, and we were kind of brainstorming about the different ways we love St. Louis. And one of those things was that we have a lot of friends who are musicians, a lot of friends who are artists, and we weren't seeing them getting the platforms that they deserved in order for them to create a good audience, a good solid audience here, and then increase into the United States and the world. And so Sapna and I are always thinking, how can we get in where we fit in? We know that there's opportunities to really be involved in community, and our community is, is that of artists and musicians. And so this concert series was born from those conversations of how can we support the people that we love in the city that we care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you musicians yourselves? Enthusiasts? <laughs> but we are not. <laughs> we have this little joke where we call ourselves the last chairs and we just sing over the song <laughs> terribly. <laughs> Sapna, food is integral in any part of a community gathering, and this concert series is no exception, and it's not only in the name. What does the role of Coco and Cumin play in this? So we like to give our um, our audience kind of what we think is our type of food. So we love sweets, we, we love things that are savory, so we try to incorporate that Coco and Cumin into the food and the drinks that we make, which... The cocktails will always have will always have some type of cumin in them, and then the snacks that we always try to incorporate a bit of cumin and cocoa into them. Mm-hmm. On first glance, the flavors of cocoa and cumin don't seem to pair well. The profiles, um, the sweetness of the chocolate paired with like earthy notes of of the cumin. H- how'd you make mm-hmm. it happen? We just looked on Pinterest, try to find out what we can do to you know kind of put these two together and. Honestly, the world of the internet has provided us so many great recipes that we try to incorporate into what we do. And then we we just let our audience decide, like, hey, do you guys like this? And they seem to love it and leave extremely happy. <laughs> so there's, there's that level of experimentation that mm-hmm. goes into any recipe that we decide to create um, for cocoa and cumin. And... I think that the audience really appreciates us trying something bold and something new, and they'll let us know <laughs> if they like it or if they don't like it. And we usually we take that under consideration into the future cocktails and creations that we want to make. We'll we'll let like some some of our listeners know who haven't um, attended something like this before. What have been some of your more popular creative creations? So actually, there's this chocolate chocolate cookie that we used for the last concert that we did in November. And that was a creation of just a a regular cookie, but we added, we doubled the chocolate, used dark chocolate as opposed to milk chocolate and cocoa in everything that was involved in the cookie with a little hint of cumin. So that little hint of cumin adds that spice and that character to bring out the cocoa flavor. Mm. So we're definitely big fans of sweets. Um, the savory comes in whenever we're usually making like something like a samosas from scratch. And then the, the cocktail has that element 
Um, usually we'll try and infuse a uh, simple syrup with cumin in it. And then that's where that cumin flavor comes in with the cocktail. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, your guests uh, leave happy. So that's always a good sign. And this all started you by inviting friends of friends to perform in your apartments. And then you started by putting out a call on social media for other artists. Why did you specifically make that effort? So our first year was definitely an inaugural year. We were just speaking with our friends because that's who we had access to. And so for each friend we had, we asked them to recommend a different artist that they felt could use an opportunity like Coco and Cuban. And so our our base of musicians started to grow that way. But we knew we were missing people. We knew there were people that our friends of friends didn't know, but that audience members could get a hold of. And so we wanted to make it an open call so that more people had an opportunity to really learn about what Coco and Cuban is and how they can get involved and engaged in the process and thus we built out an artist call because we knew we were missing people and we didn't want to and we also did that because the fact that we had too many artists so we all our friends of friends were recommending so many people that we ended up having to do this um audition type of situation where we knew like we had to really sit down and listen to all of these artists because we had too many at that point to be able to fit them all into a year. Mm-hmm. And and what's been sort of like the mission to highlight when, when it comes to this initiative? So we're not necessarily choosing the musician. We're, we're having conversations with musicians about, um, are you ready to take this to the next platform? What have you already created that we can help you elevate? Because we see that you're doing the work And our job as facilitators is to help elevate that work. So if you're ready and you're you're ready for this opportunity, we want to make sure that you have it. Understanding that with us working full-time jobs within our our wheelhouse, six is the max that we can do in a year. Mm -hmm. So if you're not chosen for this year, it's not because you're not an amazing St. Louis artist. It's the time in um and the space that we have to, to pull something off because we want to do it with elegance. We want to do it with class and we want to do it right because that's what the musician and the audience deserves. Mm-hmm. And Sapna, you had mentioned that you kind of were also overwhelmed with people who would wanted to participate. Um, what was some of the feedback you got from local musicians? I mean, were they eager uh, to do this or was there some skepticism? I mean, this is like in your house, it's more private or intimate. What was some of that feedback? So we got DMs through our Instagram, just basically asking like, hey, are you the Coco and Cumin that has been putting on these concerts? I've heard from a friend and or I've actually like sat in the audience and or like I, I heard through social media that you guys have been doing this and I we really want to do it and for for some reason I was having um one of those moments like hey are we actually Coco and Cuban like wait how many mm-hmm. we've only done these like six times and we didn't realize how big it was actually going to get or what we were actually doing but we were overwhelmed in a good way. We realized what we were doing actually like were helping people and that people really wanted for us to do this and enjoyed our shows. Mm-hmm. And how does a music session in a small space curated set kind of set the vibe that you intended for this? 
So we definitely try and cultivate the mood and that's dark lighting, that's making sure people have a place to sit or to stand. We wanna make sure from day one that the artist feels comfortable in, in the space. And so the order of operations kind of goes, the musician will come into the space and see where they wanna set up, see how they feel comfortable. And then the weekend or the day of the show, the musician will come in, set up, get everything prepared. We will set up the space with artwork or rugs or floor pillows, anything to make it feel more at home. And then the musician will perform for about half an hour. We'll have a 15 minute intermission for people to kind of take a break, mix and mingle. And then something that we really pride ourselves on is the Q&A. So this is an opportunity for the musicians and the audience members to really have some intimate conversations with each other around who they are as musicians, around what it is that inspires them, who it is that inspires them, and um, an opportunity for them to really get to know each other. Can you describe a concert that y'all put together that really made you think like, yes, this effort is really worthwhile and we should continue going down this path? Yeah, so this is a, a culmination of events. This is our our third year, but I would really say at the end of last year, our November show was something really to be seen and to be proud of. So we held it at Onyx Dagger Tattoo Parlor. Our friend Valencia owns and curates and tattoos in the space. And to work with a Black female tattoo artist who owns her own business, who owns her own space, and then to have Anita Jackson come in and perform, who is St. Louis, like just an amazing musician, not only in St. Louis, but around this country. And then that was after we had received an article in St. Louis Magazine. And so people who weren't just friends of friends were seeing what we were doing. And so our goal as Coco and Cumin is to help these musicians reach people that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so the publicity from the article, being able to work with Valencia, that's what we want to do. We want people who wouldn't come out otherwise or wouldn't have heard this artist otherwise to be exposed because there's so much great talent here. That culmination of events was just really magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we also had a few audience members actually book with Valencia to get a tattoo afterwards. And we had someone being tattooed while the show was going on and right after as well. Sapna, would you say that moment to that concert was one that really was a highlight for you too? Yeah, I would say all of them were. I think even I would say the first one was one of my favorites only because it, I was so nervous to put this on. It was in my home and I, you know, I, I'm not very good with public speaking and I, I'm not good at being the center of attention, but it was one of the most fantastic feelings ever to, to see people being happy in my home and also asking questions. Like it, it was really one of those shows that made me realize like I, I need to be, I want this to keep happening. Yeah, Sahara Sister Souls was our first artist mm -hmm. to, to perform and she put on a spectacular show just really kicking off the Coco and Cumin series. Are these concerts free to attend? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So these concerts are free to attend. Um, we take donations because that's how we're able to sustain 
what we're doing here and to be able to compensate the artists as well. And so we're always looking for sponsors that align with our mission. Um, we're always looking for community members who want to offer and share their space as well. So that way we can keep this going as long as we can, as long as it's needed. In, in previous conversations I've had with you, I understand that paying the artists is something on the forefront of your initiatives in terms of, you know, in future concerts, just making sure that they're compensated as well, right? Yeah. And I think compensation is more than just monetary. Mm-hmm. So offering a space. When an artist works with us, we want them to feel completely and utterly taken care of. So we're handling the publicity with the image that they have told us that that they want us to use. So we're not just finding random pictures of them on Instagram. We are curating the audience for them. We are sourcing spaces. We are definitely um, trying to compensate them monetarily if we are able to for the for that concert. Um, that's definitely top of mind. But with all of those things kind of work into compensation for the artist. Whenever that artist walks away, people will know who they are. Those 30, 40, 50 people in the room might have never heard or been exposed to this artist, but because they decided to come to a Coco and Cumin show, now they know who they are. Yeah. And and this project has seen steady growth. I mean, as the word got out about these concerts, like you mentioned earlier after that St. Louis uh, Magazine article, um, were there ever times when you just realized you had too many uh, people in your homes and you realized you got to take this elsewhere? Yeah. I, before, um, before COVID happened, we were actively trying to source black and brown businesses to hold cocoa and cumin in because we were outgrowing our physical spaces. And we want it to be as inclusive as possible. And we know that that might include us not having it in our personal homes, but there's ways for us to create an intimate feeling in bigger spaces that help to uplift the community as far as um, black and brown businesses are concerned and the musicians that we're, we're working with. And Coco and Cumin has also caught the attention of organizations like Red Bull and most recently Launch Code. Um, you were finalists in this year's Moonshot Awards. What has those recognitions uh, meant to you or signified to you? Honestly, we're just really happy that we're being seen. We, we welcome the recognition and it just helps to elevate the people that we serve even more. So our job is to facilitate conversations and communication between community members and musicians, POC musicians in St. Louis, and being able to have conversations with Red Bull and um, the Moonshot Awards just helps to elevate that that much more. It helps us to do our work a little bit easier. The Red Bull event that you attended was last year. Um, What was that about and who all got to be a part of that? So we were at Red Bull Music Festival. So it was like a week-long concert festival that they were hosting. And we got to go to one of the shows that was part of the festival, which was Smino's concert. And what they did was invited us down to have dinner and conversations with people that worked at Red Bull and the key players, the stakeholders here in St. Louis, which were like artists, uh, like musicians, people who uh, curated spaces, producers, 
there were people who else was there that was it oh that was basically and photographers uh, people who just embodied St. Louis and wanted to um, make sure that this city thrived. So that that was the whole conversation we had, which was how how do we make footprints here in St. Louis and w- what are the key action steps to move forward? But that was a really great weekend. We got to talk to so many people that we didn't know that were stakeholders in St. Louis. And we got a chance to talk about what we did and what our platform was. And we got to enjoy an amazing concert held by someone who is from St. Louis. I can't even explain how many people were at that concert. It was just packed and it was just one of those sights to see. And and throughout all this and throughout all these like connections that you've been making, what have you come to learn about the talent here? It's never ending. Yeah. There's never so ending. there's so much talent here and it's important that that people see it. Mm-hmm. And in order for that facilitation of visibility to be to be amplified, some of these concert halls, we, first of all, we need to rethink the way that we promote concerts and who we promote concerts for. And then when spaces do open back up and it's safe for people to be there, giving opportunities and chances to people that you might not give otherwise. Mm-hmm. Because something that we've learned from doing this for the past three years is people put their friends on. And if you don't have a big following already, it's hard for you to book a medium or a large size space. But in order for you to create and and captivate new people to hear your music, you have to be seen. So there's a duality there. So in order for me to be seen, I need to be performing in certain spaces but I'm not able to perform in those certain spaces because I don't have a fan base yet. On St. Louis on the Air, we've talked with St. Louis musicians before who have moved on to other cities because they don't feel like St. Louis is the place where they can really make it as a musician. Um, For yourselves, do you feel like music and getting to discover the local talent here was a big part in keeping you here? Yeah, and I think going back to what you said, it all depends on what the musician, the artist's definition is of making it. Mm. What, what does that look like? Because that's very individual. Mm-hmm. Um, is making it having this many hits on your Spotify? Is making it being signed to a national label? Is making it owning your masters? Is making it feeling good whenever you play in front of people who look like you? And those are conversations that musicians, whenever they say they feel like they need to leave St. Louis in order to make it, I I would challenge, like, what does making it mean to you? And if Coco and Cumin can help you in that process, then we're down for that as well. Moving forward, how has the coronavirus pandemic impacted your plans to continue hosting these concerts? So obviously we can't hold them in our space anymore, and then we can't really do them in other people's spaces anymore. But we have tried to rethink how our shows are going to pan out. So we did this concert a few months back where we did it via live on Instagram and Facebook. And that had worked out. It, it, it drew in more people rather than just St. Louis people. So that was something great to see. So we're going to try to potentially do that one more time. But we're also going to see these other plans that we're trying to do in the future, which is 
drive-in concerts. Yeah, so drive-in concerts, and also I don't know if you um, saw Chappelle's last show on on YouTube where he had he had spray painted on the ground where people could sit in pairs and then had everyone spread out, but something like that. So either a drive-in tailgating type of situation or using a big piece of land where we can mark out different chairs for people to sit in. And then also having that virtual component for people who feel like it's still not safe to to be outside amongst other people because the safety and the care of both the musician and the and the audience is at the forefront of our minds. So we're constantly thinking about how can we develop and have these spaces, but understanding that we still need to be safe in a COVID-19 environment. And so we're actively like engaging and trying to reach out to our community because we don't have access to a parking lot. We don't have access to a big piece of land. And so the community has supported us up until now. And we're going to be making these very specific asks so that way we can continue to have these concerts. Who who do you have planned for, for the coming months? So we have Jay Coast, who we're going to host at the end of July, July 31st. And then we're going to have Kenny DeShields um, potentially at the end of August, which is probably the 28th or the 29th but we haven't decided yet. Mm -hmm. And if an artist is listening to this segment right now and they're interested, how can they get on your radar? So just follow us on Coco and Cumin on Instagram. That is where we are number one, like making sure that we, we are on the front when it comes to our audience and our artists. So if anyone wants to find us, it's at Coco and Cumin on Instagram. And we will happily answer your DMs. We will (laughs) comment back. We will try to find a way to get in contact with you if you try to get in contact with us. Mm-hmm. Well, Sapna Bakta and Vanika Spencer, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck on your future concerts. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That was Vanika Spencer and Supna Bakta talking with producer Lara Hamden about their Coco and Cumin concert series. Their next event is July 31st and features local music producer Jay Coast. You can find more details on our website at stlpublicradio.org. We'll go out of today's show with some of Jay Coast's music. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Emily Woodbury. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.